It's all about inflation, ladies and gentlemen. What can we say? Inflation year over year is up 8.3%. Meeting expectations are much hotter than anyone on Wall Street expected. And here, Wall Street traders said, who cares? We saw the Dow up 2.8%. We're back. The bulls are running down Wall Street. What can we say? We're going to tell you all about it and why it happened like that today. Welcome, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm Todd Schoenberger. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith. And we have a very special guest, editor-in-chief of the Stock Traders Almanac, Jeffrey Hirsch. Like I say, Toby, I'm going to go to you first because I know you've been fielding dozens of calls right now all day today wondering how can inflation be so hot yet traders are back in full force buying everything that's out there. All right. Well, first off, you got to take a little less caffeine. Okay, yeah. Schoenberger? Just, just take a breath. I like his energy. There you go. Well, Todd, um, I, when you have a reversal like today, I mean, I'll just tell you why I'm still dressed, you know, like like I'm in my PJs. I'm not, but I dress like it. We, you know, we've been betting like everybody else who can do mathematics that we were going to have above eight handle uh, inflation. And, and the reason is simply that the inflation that's sticky has not gone down, it's actually gone up. And that's rent accrual for a house, actual leases and rents, uh, food and healthcare. If you take all those together, we were already at about seven and a half percent inflation. So it was a pretty big bet. So we had all these bets. We had options that were betting against the market. Market. And sure as sure as heck, the market opens up and it opens itself. I mean, I'm not talking about the Dow. I don't know who uses Dow anymore, Jeff. But the S&P 500 is down, you know, two and a half percent at the open. But the QQQs, which we bet against, remember, if you're going to short something, short the high value QQQs. So we're we're short those guys. We okay. close out our, our trades, you know, almost fifty thousand dollars of pre, you know, of money that we made on this deal. So we're the smartest people in the world. Well, guess what? Everybody else is doing the same thing too with their short the market. And right. People don't understand, particularly in options is let me just use the analogy uh, let's say someone in our audience may may have perhaps bet uh, made a football bet or a horse bet with their local bookie or my, my bookies were always in, in midtown new york and um uh, what happens when you you're, you're the bookmaker is all you're doing is you're taking you're getting a vid 10 percent, 15 percent, whatever it was that's your take and then you're just trying to even up your book so you have a f- thousand people betting for the ravens i don't know why they do that and a thousand people <laughs> Hey, whoa. Wait, wait. Betting against bet the Ravens. For the right? Ravens. You even up your book. When you book you always bet up, for the Ravens. Yeah. You won't take any more. If you have only have 800 yes and, and 900 no, then you're not going to take any more no's. You're going to take yes. And that's how you even your book. So it's a big short cover today. Yeah. And then in, what happens is if you're a, a, now we talk about options, there was a huge amount of options out here. And everybody was betting against it, meaning that they, they bought put options, which go up in value when the stock market goes down. And when they took those profits, like we did, you know, bang, bang, bang. We had almost a world record of puts uh, converted, or in other words, cashed in. And when 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 a bookmaker, excuse me, a market maker uh, puts together an option for you, if they sold you a call, which means you think your things are going up, then they're going to short the stock okay. so that they have no, uh, you know, they're not there for their health. Was that 3,500 level that important? Was that what really, I mean, that's the- Well, right. Well, that was the second thing, because that was exactly the 50% retracement from the- Fibonacci. Yep. So- Okay, so, so go ahead. But Todd, go ahead. Just, 
revenue stretch. All of these things set off a chain reaction. So the market makers started buying back stock because th they had been shorted to cover their, their options, right? Th that started it. Once it moved up, you know, 5% off that perfect technical bottom, then algorithmic automatic trades are based on formulas knocked in. And now we, today, uh, and Jeff, I know you run a lot of this stuff, but I, the number I got was that 87% of the trades today were uh, automatic, you know, robotic uh, trend following. So it feeds on each other. The people who are actually short these big stocks, they have to buy those stocks back because they had a seven day run where they've been making money every day. So and when somebody shorts something, they borrow it from the broker dealer. And then to, to cover that short, they have to go out and buy the stock. So add okay. it all up together. And it was a technical, it was a fundamental, it was an algorithmic, it was computer bots gone wild. Okay. And um, if you're not inside the plumbing of this, it all sounds strange. I'm trying to make it as simple as possible, but I, I, I just use the idea that if you're well, Jerry's and the, and, the, and the Ravens actually do win and he doesn't have enough, uh, doesn't have enough people who bet against him, that he's yeah. going to take it into shorts. That's why markets are markets. That makes a lot of sense. But, but Jeff, everybody's yeah. going to want to know now this rally that happened today, you know, Toby's talking about the short covering rally. All, it was really all adrenaline, you know, that momentum upswing, but we're going to wake up tomorrow. Is it going to continue? I mean, no one knows for sure. Uh, we had a couple of days in the beginning of October that were somewhat similar to this. And we saw six days of declines after that. Um, it is October. It's not lost on me. And I hope not you guys that all this volatility is happening. You know, we have talked about October phobia for years. It transpires, <laughs> you know, the plumbing on the intraday level is, is, is one thing, but you've also got the plumbing or the, the confluence of all these things happening at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, uh, in institutional fund manager window addressing. They're, they're, they're trying to make their, you know, book look good uh, going into year end. They're tax loss selling. You've got the mutual fund deadline, October 31st. And then you've got yeah. the seasonal aspect where, you know, the bullish, most bullish few months, November, December, January, October sits here right at the beginning of that and benefits from it. That's why my father back in 69, the 69 Almanac called October the bear killer. I mean, he was the first one to say that. And it has been. And, you know, I just put out a note to my, my subscribers that uh, we had our buy signal back in uh, October 4th and that, that big two-day bump. But, you know, the best six months with our MACD Tommy doesn't call bottoms or tops on the sell side, but it gets you in to the bigger moves of the market. Um, those rallies that tend to go from November to April and the sideways from May through October. So we're sticking to buy limits. We're sticking to stops. But whatever, uh, wherever the low ends up, whether we go up tomorrow, down the next three days, or down tomorrow, up the next three days, we are closer to the bottom than we have been all year. I mean, you can't huh. really argue with that. We're probably nearing the end of the Fed cycle. If you look at the dot plot. Oh, oh no. come yeah. on. No way. Listen, you're, you're way off on closer that to the, No, listen, closer to the end. We're up. One more, one more hike of seventy-five. We're at four percent. They're projecting four and a half to five percent next year. <laughs> no, right? It doesn't matter what they're. They were projecting three and a half. Projecting transitory inflation before agreed. They don't even know what they're doing. This is going to continue on well into twenty twenty-three. I think the stock trade. I beg to differ. I think they're you getting gotta, closer to the end than not. They're, they're already to, creating this bear market and probably already in recession, and they're going to have to stop. Yeah, they're, they're going to write have the to intro stop. for next year's stock traders almanac. Because <laughs> this thing is going to continue on. I mean, I know what you're saying. History the best, shows the best six and months in the midterm year that be on the midterm.
midterm year yeah. are 18 and 0 since World War II. We're talking about the sweet spot of the four-year cycle, the, the best buying opportunity of the four-year cycle. And on top of it, October's behaving normally. You've got the market trending down as it normally does during the worst months and during the midterm year. So things are tracking close to history. To but, me, that means we're likely to find a low here. But Jeff, what I, what, that. what I don't understand when people use historical uh, comparisons to try to essentially establish some dots, et cetera, is we've never had, ever had $9 trillion of quantitative easing and then zero no. interest rates. Never. There's been a, lo- there's been a lot of never has over the years. Hypnotized. But, but it, we've still seen October bottoms in eight of the last 23 bear markets since World War II. Not a joke. You can go to my blog and check it out. It's yeah. there. The next cl- month with the most is March, four for the S&P. So, I mean, history is a guide. It's not gospel. It doesn't repeat. It rhymes. But yes, we've got Q- QT, QE to QT. We've got 9 trillion. We've got the ZERP that we've had for all these years. Unprecedented stuff. But yeah. we've seen lots of government spending at other times. World War One, World War Two, Vietnam. We've got this COVID spending. So there are comparisons and similarities. But to me, as the market tracks along these historical patterns, it becomes more and more likely that they continue. If, if this year was up and October wasn't volatile and we weren't in a midterm year bear market, I wouldn't be so convinced that the patterns were on track. But now I'm more convinced because we've been tracking it all year. And also last year was very typical post-election year. So yeah, now I, 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 I certainly get the idea that human behavior is the one element that doesn't change. And so humans behave the way humans behave because that's the way we're wired, et cetera. I, I get that. And, and historically- there's, there's changes over the years of different things. I mean, we evolve as a society with how we spend our money. You know, I mean, true. I'm just, I'm just going, the, the argument to me for your case is, is that I would never compare the industrial 1950s and very low margins, but significant growth because of World War II and kind of that. I wouldn't com- compare that to 2015 to 2022, how, where- how about about 74, 1990, 98, 02. Yeah, but, but, but here's my point. In all those cases, we had inflationary uh, or deflationary events happening, particularly, you know, after the 80s, where interest rates, you know, peaked at 19 and kept coming down. We had women coming into the workplace at levels they never had before. So we had excess of labor. We had the internet begin and e-commerce start. Then we had China come in and we, you know, went to this globalized business model. We're getting rid of all of that, except for the women. We're getting rid of... <laughs> <laughs> of, of low, lower interest rates coming down. We're getting rid, we've gotten rid of, of boomers. Every boomer that I know is basically retired or working half time or uh, chasing girls at the racetrack. Um, there's <laughs> everything is different from a macro. I'm a macro guy. Everything is different on a macro basis than any other time. So I just I don't see how you can apply history issues in a non in an unhistorical time and then on top of everything else have seventy six trillion dollars of debt around the world in the United States of 32 trillion dollars uh, and interest rates going up. I, I don't see how that's analogous to anything. I think it's sui generis, right? As I say in France, it's one of one. I think some the, of the le- levels are un- are unanalogous, or but some of the situations are similar. If you look at 62 yeah. with the Cold War issues, there's rate hiking environments through some of these periods that we're talking about. There's higher inflation, some of the ones that you were talking about. So it's it's not so different. Yes, it's every time is different how and, and by how much, but the working for a while. Like what she said, where we hope always had these never haves. You know, you always have something this never has had has happened. Yada yada yada. We have been hearing that. But Toby is right. There are there are so many things out there that are different that have yet to ever be proven. The biggest concern I have right now is when you look at the data that came out today, food costs were up eleven point two 
percent, but the number actually showed energy was down two point one percent. But AAA just said that gas is up twenty cents month over month right now. Right, right now, which leads me to believe that once the Fed meets in November, when the when we're getting that CPI data in November for this month, we're going to see another increase, probably the same type of number, and then everybody's going to be in shock and awe. Which then is the market really has it priced in to. 75 basis points. I, I don't believe it has. I maybe one. It but didn't last. It one. didn't last time. So so that leads me. So now I can only suspect that if you didn't sell into today's strength, you're probably going to be in big trouble starting tomorrow. But yeah, Todd, I, I'd go with this. So I, I create indexes and math. The only thing I was good at was calculus. Okay, the rate of change of the rate of change. And when you look at our index, basically for recession, anything 15 or above is good, and anything 15 below is bad. And we're now at a 13. We've never been that low. That's taking leading indicators, not this bullshit, you know, past indicators. Indicators are mm-hmm. I'm talking about leading indicators. Then you add on the global side of it. The global yeah. number we only do for the EU and the UK. And th- they're at about 11. Um, and that we haven't even got into the winter and the $2,700 euro. You so know, you guys are, are both expecting further down movement in the stock market. Yes. Yes. And, and for the reason that significantly lower or significantly. Well, well, Todd, you speak yourself. I'm going to say, you know, the numbers we've had. There's what last... makes our book, Toby. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm on the book. other side of that kind of. Yeah. The um, the number we have when you get down to, because again, I'm using your historical stuff, amigo. When you get to a historical PEs, price earnings ratios, uh, <clears throat> that's the S&P 3200, 3300. Then yeah. you usually There's... overshoot, um, as you know, Jamie Dimon said, God bless him, because uh, he's been wrong every prognostication he's ever There you go. Wrong. He thinks you're going down 20% too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Usually you <laughs> overshoot because what we haven't had, Todd, and, and historically, here's the human behavioral stuff that is analogous in any time, tulip bulbs or internet stuff. Yeah. yeah. We haven't had the capitulation. We have I not agree. Had- I, I don't think we're at the ultimate low yet. That, that's where we agree. Okay. We haven't seen the despondent selling, the despair, the people saying, should I sell? Should I sell? Should right. I sell? Should I, should I buy? We we're, haven't seen consumer be- behavior, no, consumer <laughs> spending habits really haven't changed that much. It, it, it I mean, could we be O2. No, they haven't. You're right. They're still they're still loaded and flush with money. Still buying. Yeah, stuff. yeah. People well, are getting, they're going further the top, into debt. That, that the, the income ratio is rising. The top twenty percent of households own about eighty five percent of all the wealth. The bottom sixty percent own really only twelve percent. The bottom fifty percent only own four percent of wealth. So <laughs> what you'll see is Louis Vuitton is kicking ass right now. Everybody I know is in Europe and having a great time with the, the dollar at the fair. But that's the other thing we haven't had added in here. There has been no time in your book, and I've loved your stuff for a long time, that we also had the historically high dollar at the same time. And if you take the S&P 500, which used to be about 36% global sales, but it's now about 55%, and you discount the, you know, the yen and the euro and the, and the pound, we're losing 9% of earnings simply from the conversion. That has not been priced in. That Now we're going to these interest rates where if you take the discounted present value of those lower earnings, you, you know that's where I get 3,200. And then we need to have that over shoot that capitulation the vix went down today jeff yeah explain that 
possible. How, how does mean, that happen, that Toby? Your, that's your uh, longs and shorts going at it, that, right? Exactly. It, what ha- it's, it's, a, cover. It's, it's a freak of, of the construction of these indexes, but I've never seen that. <laughs> you're down 800 points, you're down 3%, and the VIX, which measures the price of puts and calls and what the relationship is, everybody was cashing in their put options, so that made people buy a whole bunch of, of call options, and the, it, it went this way. And it's, right. you know, the VIX goes up when the put uh, buying goes up here and the selling goes down. So this is uncharted territory almost on every degree, except Jeff is absolutely right that October historically in the 1700s, 1800s, this, you know, now has been historically a time of bombs or it's been a time, but I just don't see any analogs. I, I look at this as the outlier analog. There's- and we've never had the central banks all raising at the same time. We've never had the dollar be so much stronger than the, the We've never had the UK bond market melt down. And if they didn't shove 56 we've, we've billion had other bond markets melt down, we've had currency true. contagions. We had 98. I mean, there's been sovereign debt crisis crises. There's been right. currency crises. I mean, we've seen this stuff before. Long-term capital. It's definitely different. And I'm definitely concerned with the volatility, but I'm I've ventured a bet and a guess that we will be higher, in, you know, in six months. Okay. I feel, I feel a dinner at Del Frisco's in six months. <laughs> sure. Easy. Easy. Definitely. Definitely there. But here's the thing. I, the only problem you have to suspect that if you do, use a baseball analogy that we're only in the third or fourth inning of this. I mean, we have a long way to go. The numbers just do not show us that the higher interest rates that are taking place right now are curbing one, consumer spending, two, layoffs. I mean, we saw the jobless claims today. They were just slightly above expectations. So now you haven't, and plus we had the jobs numbers from last week. We still are not seeing any deterioration in the labor market. Therefore, people still are going out, they're spending money, they're thinking everything's great. And then we also got the report this week that we had a record number of people actually quitting their jobs. They're actually saying, screw it, I don't need any of this stuff. I don't know if they're thinking the government's just going to start sending them checks or something. But the point being why, is why that- Why would they think that? I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but the clues are here, the clues are there to suspect that nothing is happening. It sounds like everything's great, except you have this- time bomb of these interest rates that continue to go higher and higher and higher and we haven't seen the real real deterioration of the american finance soul and i think that's where we have a long way to go and i I do believe that the stock market is going to go lower i I have an unofficial index too which is if more than 10 percent of our managed account clients which by the way are up 75 percent jeffrey uh because we uh we don't do market timing we just we were lucky enough to get a phone call from one of our network i have a network of about 1500 people throughout the world and i get this call right on telegram actually encrypted that oh yeah by the way uh, february 6th is the invasion day that's why biden said it he bumbled it out in a press conference and so we were able to be short and we bought energy and we did great okay but if 10 percent or more of our management account clients contact me in one day and say get me the f out i can't take it anymore that is jeff when i'm going to call you and say now we have yeah it's not I the people don't I think that's coming money. in the next few weeks. Yeah. It's not that people don't have any money. It's the people who have, you know, millions and they see their retirements, you know, going away and eating out of a garbage can and being afraid of eating 
eating cat food, which by the way, is the number one fear of, of the female clients that we have, as they call it, don't make me a cat food lady. Um, when you <laughs> starting get- to hear some more calls though, you're getting a few more. It's not the 10%. They're starting to hear some, oh, well, we're, we're, we're 75% in cash. The one thing I learned from Dorothy so for, for 30 years, yeah, is I don't pretend to know anything other than if I'm never going to fight the Fed when they're raising rates, I'm never going to fight the dollar when it's going up, um, except I am going to buy energy. We have this trade we call the Brexit trade, Jeff, which is the, the Western world exiting out of Russia. Yeah. And those beneficiaries have, you know, literally up 75% this year. And we're we getting some stupid, ridiculous dividends. So I say it's the back to the future market, Jeff. I'm not buying, uh, excuse me, so, I'm not buying a, a tech stock for 75 times sales. No, I'm told, so, so when we get our seasonal buy signal and we get to this time of the year, yeah. we have all the sectors that stock sectors that come into their bullish season. We pick some buy limits below the market or we look at where the charts are. So we have a basket of ETFs out there that we're looking at. Then we go looking for stocks and we use a robust fundamental stock screen, technical analysis. And we just put out a list today to our subscribers and guess what the bulk of the companies are in there. What, what sector industry do you think they might be in? Energy. Yes. Of yeah, course. energy. And we've got yeah. some smaller cap, couple of mid caps, some explorers and producers, people in places that uh, yeah. are getting, getting energy out of the ground from yeah. places other than Russia. Yes. Some, uh, you know, pipe, you know, and, and, and materials companies involved with that, natural gas, liquid natural. There's a couple of really interesting companies yeah. in there. And it's all really materials and energy related. Well, that's what that's what sort of scared me in June because we've been, you know, on this Regit trade for a while. And then every momentum algorithm trend follower just jumped on natural gas stocks starting in about April. And they went up, you know, 150% in 40 days. And I'm just not that smart. So we took those. And then, and then we were lucky enough to miss the Freeport LNG, you know, plant ex- explosion. So that then went down another 20%. So I totally agree with you at these values and, and at the, you know, OPEC just told us uh, it's, you know, $80 for, you know, we'll do whatever we have to do. And then OPEC and Russia and China have gone together. Holy smokes. I feel like OPEC and China and Russia. Oh Wait, no. Is that the BRICS? The old BRICS? Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the, uh, I would all say this just maybe to close it out. But if any person does not think that the fundamentals of the geopolitical and economics of the world have not irreparably changed after a pandemic, after work from home, after another round of pandemic, then a, a European invasion yeah. of a NATO to be country. We're the already world in that war. Is completely changed. And then on top of it, remember we had, and I just used Stockmania's Jeff as basically mass hypnotism. Mm-hmm. When we got 53 million new brokerage accounts opened after April 2020 when the STIMI checks went out. <laughs> and, and the average average age of the person who opened up the account was 35 years old and they never invested in their life. So what they did is they'd go on Reddit or go on YouTube or go on TikTok and whoever was trending the most, they'd buy the stock. And as you know, Jeff, any asset is valued based on the marginal buyer. The marginal buyer is the price insensitive buyer. And when you don't know value from Schmalu, but dude, YOLO FOMO, it's going up. <laughs> we blew up probably half of the stimmy money Wait. just you know, in buying GameStop at $85. You, you know? just you just made a meme. YOLO FOMO. I love that. That's great. What so, about crypto? Crypto is exactly the same thing. If I, I did a speech two years ago in, in Miami at the crypto thing where I was like booed and I had to like run out of the place where I, in. I, I said, listen, you don't, won't believe this, but I like had this minor in religion because I wasn't really a big religion person. And I had to declare a minor. So I studied religions back the, over the last eight, ninth centuries. And what Bitcoin is, 
politics is a religious belief. Yep. It was started by libertarians who have very strong beliefs about how the world should be. Then I yeah. knew some guys who asked me in like 2012, 2013, hey, Toby, listen, could you lend me some money? I'm going to buy some uh, Bitcoin. And I'd be like, Tommy, Billy, stay with your plumbing business, brother. Don't, you know, <laughs> don't be fooling around with this stuff. Now they have their own private island because even though their Bitcoin's gone down 40%, they're still both worth about $25 million a piece. They have, they drive the same cars. They live in the same house. They don't know yeah. they're in, but it, it's a religion. And I, I, I did a movie with a kid named Brock Pierce and Brock Pierce used to be, he was the goalie or he was like one of Lyman and the, the Mighty Ducks movies, but he's a libertarian. And when this was a documentary movie, he came to the thing and he, he said, Toby, you got to, um, you got to get in this Bitcoin thing. And he went through all this stuff. And now he and his buddies are bought a billion dollars of real estate down in the capital of Puerto Rico. I don't know how that's going exactly for him, but it's a religion and it's a mania. It's just like Scientology. I grew up in Southern California, man. I went to a Scientology meeting because this hot girl invited me. And <laughs> when you... When you looked at the people and oh my you know, God. It, it, it's, yeah. it's it's a mania. It was charged yeah. by opening up these accounts with new marginal buyers who killed it on SPACs. I mean, we killed uh, invest, not investing, speculating with these SPACs until the yeah. media. But Bitcoin has some value, but yeah. it has no actual financial yeah. use yeah. other than, you know, 65% of the wallets have never been touched. Right, and right. I know hey. I have um, that's never been touched because I lost the wallet freaking. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course you did. Of course you did. Jeff, Jeff, not that I want to switch topics just real quick for you. I know you just spoke at the money show. Yep. Toby, you've been a um, a big uh, speaker at money shows in the yep. past. But at this year's money show, you just I think you were just there over the week or just the, a couple of days ago. Yeah, down it was in virtual. Orlando. Well, okay. What were the uh, what was the audience? I mean, were the people? Or were they? Were no, they this bullish? was the virtual one. We're going. We're going to be down in Orlando. You're going to be there too, Toby. Right. Yeah. At the end of the month. This was just a virtual one you saw on my on my feed. That was like like a webinar. Okay. But there. Right, but so. you know what? For what it's worth, I got some calls from new people. Requests for the slides. Lots of questions. I mean, it. They've been robust. I almost think some of the virtual ones are got more action than the personal ones because people can sit there in their pajamas and and True. Not have to, to drive. I mean, hey Jeff. So I'm calling the question. Yeah. What's your What's your bottom call? The bottom actual level. S and P 500. Can I give you a time and not a level? Sure. End of October. Wow. Okay. okay. All right. Then I'll move the Del Frisco's better. Um, <laughs> I don't think your level is crazy. I don't think your 3200 is crazy. It's not that. It's not that much further from the low. Possibly 3200 by the end of October. We'll just say that's unofficial, of course. But if that happens, we'll uh, obviously our listeners. I'm sure we'll get a lot of value. You got 3500 under under um, on notice. Yeah. I'll, there I'll you just go. say one more thing. When you look at the EPS of the energy companies, which you love. And I look, and you take those out of the SP 500. Some sick numbers there, bro. Yeah. If you take them out, they're only 6% of the market cap, or excuse me, now it's 7.5% of the market cap. But if you take their earnings out, EPS, then the, you know, the, the multiple right now for the non energy part of the SP 500 is almost 20. You know, we do it, we do it, we do an average of the, the PE, not the way they do it, the one they publish. We take all the stocks okay. and average it. And it's actually over 20. I think it was more like 26. Yeah. So it's it's all relative. Yeah, but um, it's relatively high. It is relatively high. You're Mr. History. Mr. It, History, it is relatively high. The average PE has been for stocks over the last 30 years. But there's two parts of the PE equation, yeah. price and earnings. Yeah. So price can stay where it is and earnings can go up. I think the mar the, the companies are, are set for beating forecasts. They, they've lowered everything. Um, and you look at that 
that, and it's also forward-looking. You start getting out into next year. If we get through this this downturn, which you know you think we're going into a a, a more nasty recession, correct? Yes. yes. We haven't had it yet. We, I think we've already been in recession. I think the negative two quarters GDP is still valid. The, uh, yes. The the labor market's been strong, but people are afraid to fire people because they had trouble getting them back. Oh. Well, we've well, never point. had we've, the anomaly in everything that, that of all these other headwinds, tailwinds, you know, blah blah blah. There's also never had a time when there was 11 million jobs available and only 5 million w- willing to work, right? And there's a big reason for that. And we, we did a whole regression analysis because, uh, again, I know nothing other than calculus. And uh, if you take out the almost 2 million now of people who are on are long COVID, then you take the early retirements by the boomers, my crew, and, and add, you know, take them out. Then we have a structural shortage of available yeah. labor in the United States. And what that does, however, is what I said yesterday in a speech, wages aren't coming down. We have a different wage spiral in the 70s and 80s. And I, my theory, by the way, Jeff, is people don't have this hair color and weren't selling bonds in the late 70s, and early 80s and saw Paul Volcker. I understand what Paul Volcker had to do and he did it because of structural, because we had like 30% of the population were in unions. And every time it, you know inflation went up, their wages went up and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, we're in that same thing now, except they're not a part of a union. They're part of the unions is I'm not working anymore. Yeah. <laughs> And in right. that union, did you see the cola increase for the social security? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. 7%. Yeah. Get rid seven, of right? cola in about five years. And 8.7 starts in January. Yeah. I'll, yeah. That's whatever true. that $4,200 a month is in five years will probably, you know, get me a sandwich and a, you know, and a massage. Um, but, <laughs> but this, we have this structural in, in, in higher wage, particularly for service businesses, which was the toughest to hire. And then you add on OPEC, not cutting whatever they have to do to have $80. And then the United States, who now used to be the marginal supplier of oil and gas, the companies have all said, you know what? We're not going to actually uh, borrow money anymore like we did in 2017, 18. Um, we're actually <laughs> only going to reinvest our cash flow, a portion yeah. of it. The other portion of the cash flow, we're going to buy our stock back. And then the other part of it, we're going to pay in dividends, particularly variable dividends. So yeah. all Where, that where's the end game here? What What yeah. are you thinking? How does how, how does this end up down the line and, and, and when? I mean, we're at a uh, an impasse where I think we're getting closer to the low. You don't. What what fixes this down the line? When, when do when do we? I mean, I'm, I'm pleased that rates are going going up back to normal. I think that's healthy in the long yeah. run for the, for the market, for the economy, for the country. And then we've got this Ukraine thing. Ain't going away. That's going to be here for a decade, right? No, it's not going to be here for a decade, but in Can the next just write him a months, check? Yeah, so instead, of send, instead of sending all the money to Ukraine to fight and kill people, why don't we just send Vladimir Putin a check for that money and say, end it? <laughs> you know, Jeff, I wish it were... I wish the world doesn't work that way. Why should we waste money and have people die? Well, that's a whole nother discussion. You asked me, you know, where's I think the, the end is. And I, I believe I'm going just with your philosophy of life, that history does repeat itself. But I'm talking about historical value multiples in a time where we have five and six percent 10 year bonds, which yeah. worked that way for a very long time. You know, last time we were there was what, 77, eight? Well, for 10, 10% 10 year bonds was that time. Yeah, I mean, and then it went up to the 80s, 20, whatever, right? Right. But I'm talking about historical, let's say modern age, 1989 forward. The bottom of, when I look at evaluations, has been 11 or 12 times forward earnings. I truly believe that when you look at most analysts today at all the Wall Street firms, and they're showing higher EPS earnings per share in 2023 than in 2022, that most of those people are under the age of 45 years old. They cannot imagine that earnings per share with the dollar headway with 
with the energy headway with, are, are going to be lower, not higher. So when okay. we get to what I would call is a 13 to 15 range forward PE, and all the analysts have redone their numbers. They've all come back and said, okay, I got I to quit going to the bar at 4.30 every day. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and go down and see Art Cashin. He's amazing. He is amazing. I, I've known him since literally 82. When he was I, I'm in touch with him on a somewhat regular basis. He, he reaches out to me. I get his commentary. He's He's got his finger on the pulse. He does. He really does. So I'm, I call it the Art Cashin bottom. When uh, when Art finally throws in the towel and says, I, I don't understand anything anymore, that's going to be the bottom because... The other thing I'm looking for is when somebody blows up, something big, yes. you know, whether it's... I mean, we already had crypto kind of blow up, but that's not big enough. Somebody's sovereign, some, some currency, some hedge fund, a long-term capital type thing, some credit default swap type issue, something like that would be... You don't see that coming anytime in the next... Well, I mean, look, at, we have credit suites blown up. They, 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 you know, derivatives trading, they're on the wrong side. <coughs> Pensions in the UK and EU, as you know, you know, those are pension states. That, that pension is, is how people yeah, live. Yeah, but that blow up hasn't blown up the stock market. It's got to be no, something no, that I, blows I, up the US I, stock market. But I'm an old bond guy. Remember, it's the bond that blows up first. Yes. And I, I have a dear friend who has a consulting company down in Argentina. They do uh, offshore work and uh, tech. She sends those people the, the tether solid one dollar bitcoin or you know uh, crypto so they can then go to the money dollar guy and buy dollars and then they go give those dollars in cash to their workers and those workers are living like kings because argentina has never recovered and i'm looking for a few other argentinas particularly export company uh, you know countries that import a lot of stuff a lot of energy a lot of that now they're paying in dollars um, yeah so I, I do i do want to see more than just argentina because they've been blown up forever uh, and you know venezuela well, doesn't count well, the, but uh, there is a lot there. There's no doubt about it. A lot there. And we have so many more things that we could keep going on about this. All right. Jeff, Jeffrey, I want to, let's close out with this. Can you tell the listeners how, how they can find you? StockTradersAlmanac.com, uh, at Almanac Trader on Twitter. Pretty easy. Just Google Google Stock Traders Almanac. It'll be easy. Traders Almanac, and we'll also send it out on our end as well. So I uh, just want to really appreciate you being here, my friend, and we hope to have you back real soon Most on definitely. Buy, Hold, Sell. And All I'm right, glad. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I'm glad I'm only verbally wrestling you and not really wrestling you because I know I would be pinned in the first five seconds. We'll wrestle some stakes. One of us will buy in the city. Done. Let's get, we'll get we'll get Toby out on the lacrosse field this spring, Jeff. We'll uh, we'll see what he does. Or, or the golf course. Or the golf course. course. There you go. There you go. I played, I played Chris D too. Excellent. Excellent. All right, guys. Well, listen. Coming up next after the break, we're going to be talking about earnings. Earnings season uh, officially kicks off tomorrow with J.P. Morgan and Citigroup. We're going to talk to you about what you can expect as an investor. So please stay with us. Buy, hold, sell live. Brought to you by Transformity Research. A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. 
Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Welcome back, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. We've been talking about inflation. We had our friend Jeffrey Hirsch on the other block. And obviously, Wall Street said, forget about it. It's not a big deal. We saw the Dow up 2.8%. S&P also was up over 2% today. Who knows if the rally will continue? That remains to be seen. But one thing that is coming out, which will move the needle for Wall Street, is earnings season. And it kicks off tomorrow. JP Morgan reports first at 7 a.m. Eastern, and then followed by Citigroup, Wells Fargo, is also going to be reporting. And all expectations right now, Toby, is that this earnings period is going to be showing a 2.4% increase. If that does hold, this go, this is going to be the, the lowest uh, rate of earnings growth since the third quarter of 2020, which obviously uh, is uh, preceding the pandemic. But what do you think? Are we, because we've had so many downgrades so far, Toby, is this going to be what we should expect? Or do you think we'll have any surprises coming out in the next few weeks? Well, yeah. You know, we're going to have surprises. The only surprise that we're not going to have is uh, when Jamie came out and said, probably look for a 20% farther down uh, market. Yeah. To me, that was telling us, oh, by the way, we're going to have really crappy numbers on, yeah. <laughs> on Friday. I mean, right. that was a setup. Definitely just, a big clue. Yeah, I'll just go with, I mean, I'm just looking at like the performance here for the year. So, so staples are down 12%. Uh, the, the values are. And, uh-huh. and their earnings are their earnings are actually up it, because they've been able to pass through, you know, their inflation. They, they've been able to add prices and people are still buying a little less unit volume, but because of the higher price, they're benefiting from inflation. So, you know, staples are going to be fine. I, I just, yeah. I wouldn't want to be, you know, selling really expensive food, but that's all another thing. Healthcare yeah. minus 14. Well, gosh, that's a shock. Right. Um, there's so much, you know, built up stuff. I have to go in to get a, uh, another booster shot. It, it used to be all free. Now they want like a hundred bucks. So I think really? I'll work around it though. I have connections. Um, <laughs> and then utilities are down 14%. Well, geez, utilities also have the ability to pass through. Now the issue is that consumer staples, healthcare utilities is only about you know, 31%, actually less than that, 22% of the whole market cap of the S&P 500. But the big ones, the ones, you know, the mega cap, 
caps that make up 30% of uh, the S&P. Because remember, the thing we always sort of forget to say is that the indexification of the stock market really didn't hit back when Jeff was talking about in the 80s and the 90s and the you know the, for 2000s. People yeah. didn't buy the spy index and you know in their 401k cuz you know they didn't have 401k. There was actually people bought stocks based on some concept called valuation and fundamental. But when we got into the indexification of the world and all you had to do is buy the dip because money was free and you know we had 6 trillion of, of free money go in then the big market cap in those indexes, when you put $100 into your 401k, $21 out of the 100 went to Microsoft, Facebook, all the bigger cap, Apple, of course, et cetera. And now that people are slowing down putting money in and rates are coming down, then I think where you're going to see the movement is down, continued, is in the communications, which basically is Facebook, it's also are down 40%. Real estate's down 34%. Technology, 33%. Consumer discretionary, 32%. And those are the ones where the EPS is coming down. Down. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that's also where the most market cap is, uh, except for a couple of big healthcare like United Healthcare and a couple okay. of So it's a ratchet effect. It's a reverse ratchet effect. The ones that yeah. have the biggest market cap are going to have the, the lowest EPS. And we've already seen this certainly in all the semiconductor space. We've talked about the pandemic pull through effect when people were buying stuff like this cool iPad that I have for 2,400 bucks or whatever the hell it was uh, in the pandemic. I already got one. I don't need another one. My wife doesn't right. need another laptop. I don't need another Sonos set of speakers and you know the other stuff we bought. So that's starting to hit now. And I don't think, you know, to, to Jeff's point for Beck, I don't think until the analysts go through and take their earnings forecast down towards yeah. reality, that's where I think we get near to having a bottom. And then the market will price in reality and the market won't price in this Fakakta idea that, you know, we're going to see uh, yeah. 9% year over year earnings growth. That's not well, going to happen. Well, my thought is, is said the numbers are going to be coming out over the next few weeks and i know the bank stocks are completely this this does not apply to them uh because yeah. they're they're their own animal but when you start looking at a lot of these other companies that are out there the consumer discretionaries they're probably going to take a bit of a hit but the volumes of shoppers are still out there i mean with the exception of target you're still going to have some numbers that are coming out that are stronger than normal and, and delta airlines came out and actually yeah. said business travelers are back we actually saw in the inflation data today, Toby, that year over year, airline costs are up 42%. Airline prices, 42% to get a seat on a plane right now. That's insane. But people are still, still buying these air. They're still flying around. And the thing also is that when you look at wages year over year right now, because of inflation, Americans have lost 3% in value. They've taken a 3% haircut on their salary because when you start adjusting for inflation, sure. but it doesn't really matter. And we had a relatively, like I said, a calm summer, but I think now, now you have gas prices going up higher. Now you start to, to get these, the feeling of a, a little bit of the, that household uh, balance sheet starts to take a bit of a hit because the debt is so high right now that could impact going forward, but that's quarterly earnings down the line. And we're not going to see that until January. So yeah, I'm I not, yeah, I think we're, we might have some surprises and I think that's where the risk comes in. Cause I think you're going to have a lot of traps out there with the markets and investors are going to start creeping back in there. They are, they're at risk of losing some money. Well, remember that at the really, really high level here, that the stock market is priced based on the generally accepted narrative and yeah. the generally accepted narrative for people who actually do this for, 
a living is that earnings per share will be coming down because, you know, import costs are, are great because of the strong dollar. But when S&P 561% of sales and some of these companies are 90% are come from outside the United States, unless they could raise their prices, it doesn't matter. Whatever they raise their price is going to get discounted by the 20% haircut that you're going to take on those sales in yeah. euros and in yen and in RMB, Chinese stuff. So I understand why people are confused. And when, when everything is confusing and circling like, oh my gosh, you know, gee, uh, then you got to find something to hold on to. Mm -hmm. And for a while there, and particularly in June, when we had the really first big inflation number, and then, you know, inflation came down a whopping, you know, one half of 1%, the Fed is going to pivot in January narrative started. And when, when you added that on top of, you know, hedge funds, everybody else, short tech stocks, what did we have? We had a big rally in, in the NASDAQ. It, it, you know, essentially retraced 50% right from its, its bottom, because those are the most heavily shorted stocks. In a bear market, you have by far the most radical up three-day, four-day, five-day rallies you'll ever have in the stock market because the marginal buyer that those stocks are the people who are shorting them. They're betting against them and they're losing their profit and they have to buy back the stock to give it back to the broker they borrowed it from. But once they're out, most investors are, are still sitting on their hands. And that's why we get these peaks. Just like today, six days down in a row. Yeah. Man, whoever was massively short has made a ton of money. They're going to buy back yeah. everything with a market order, not a limit order, a market order. Yeah. Says, you know, get me the F out uh, and, and, you know, and, and buy back these shares. I'm going to take my profit. I'm going to have a big stake at Del Frisco's, hang out with Art Cash in downtown. <laughs> And uh, live to fight another day. Yeah, you're so, right about that. So I, 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 the, the most economically sensitive are the ones where, you know, you're going to see uh, earnings per share come down. Let's also not forget that, uh, a person who, you know, buys stuff on a credit card and keeps a credit card balance. They're only paying like 2% interest. Who cares? Now yeah. they're going to be paying 12% depending on their credit score. Obviously, the entire home complex construction sales of existing you know the home depots uh, uh, mm -hmm. dude we bought all the stuff we can you know put into our house the yeah. new sales you know and when you when you sell a new home it generates about sixty five hundred dollars per new home in just normal price neighborhoods because you're buying new stuff i just bought a new refrigerator it's three thousand dollars you know, new washing machines, new some furniture. Mm -hmm. God, I can't stand that thing. I, you know, I, well, that all that momentum's gone too. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm looking for earnings per share to come down about 11 percent uh, in the S&P 500, based on all those categories I went through. Yeah. And until we get that, then I, then I think you know, we'll, that will get priced into the marketplace. But, but right now, the market is selling at an elevated valuation number. Because in the real world, you know, like what we've gone back to where valuation matters, valuation <laughs> does, you know, is a function of what your earnings are going to be and what your cash flow is going to be. So again, you know, I'm just, I'm sticking with the 3,200 and then, okay. and then let's see, because um, Lord knows other stuff can happen. But yeah, I'll tell you, I think Jeff was completely wrong when you talk about what happened in Britain. In Britain, there's, there's these extremely complicated derivatives that I won't get into, mm -hmm. but they were all based on, you know, a formula. And, you know, you remember the term bond vigilance? Atlantis. That was, oh, yeah. you know, back in the day, right? That's when, yeah. uh, you know, the UK devalued the pound and all these came, guys came in and shorted the, the pound sterling and the bonds and the gilts. 
And the whole, and then, you know, George Soros made $2 billion. Well, they're back. The bond vigilante is back. They're back against the UK and the idiot that they elected, or actually the Tories elected. They didn't actually go to the public. And, <laughs> and, and if they had thrown $52 billion of cash money in to buy out these pensions that were had margin calls, that was a close call. That wasn't a, right. that was, you know, that wasn't a bomb, but that was like a grenade. And um, with these, with, uh, you know, I'll just go back to my other premise, which is that you don't, you beat us inflation, price inflation, particularly inflation that's that's sticky like wages and home prices and rentals, except you have to smother the economy enough that there's more supply than there is demand because inflation, price inflation is simply more demand than supply. And to do that, the Fed has to raise their rates above you know, their gauge, which is the consumer, the FCE, the, the consumer index. And that means they have to raise their rates to 5% at least, but I think it's more like 5 and a half percent that they have yeah. to raise. And then you need to see the PCE, this index, come lower than their fixed rate. And when yeah. you see that, then my friend, I'll look forward to doing that show when I say, okay, now we can say that, you know, there's a reasonable bottom in here because I guarantee you then also the price multiples going forward on, on you know the stock market S&P 500 will also have adjusted. Well, and I'm, by the way, I'm looking you make forward the to that day too. The stock market buying when everything is scared, nobody wants stocks and valuation matters. That's how you make millions, trillions of dollars. So an investor should be happy with being in big amount of cash and, you know, just, white, you know, take up Parcheesi, you know, go start riding a bike, just do stuff and let let the market come back. Let rationality come back. Let the Fed do the Paul Volckerism and knock down, you know, this inflation. And there's going to be some great bargains uh, to be had. It, it yeah. just blows me away that the world is different. We just cut out sending semiconductor equipment to China. Can you imagine if we did that 10 years ago? Right. They'd still be, <laughs> they'd still be in the rice paddies. Yeah, you're um, right. <laughs> you're right. Well, I got to say, you're. I think you're absolutely right. And and the cash is obviously king at this point. Uh, but like you've always said, Toby, going, you know, what we do is we look forward and it's one thing to get that earnings report card, but it's also to hear what the narrative is coming out of these CEOs out of yeah. their uh, out of their mouths once they get to those uh, those quarterly um, those quarterly meetings. So we'll we'll see, we'll find out. But we'll we'll talk more about this clearly next week. We'll be right there in the heart of it with earnings season. Can't wait to uh, to really dissect all these numbers. Good. Well, let's see. We've been right since June. If you come yep. to transformityresearch.com, you can sign up and and get our free content. Um, and if you're really smart, you'll get our paid content because we're making a stupid amount of money right now. That's my yeah. Ad right no, no, and that's a great ad because you're. You're absolutely right. And when you look at transformity research, I mean, just from what I've seen, those numbers, everything is valid. And I got to say, if you really want to take advantage of, of what's taking place on Wall Street right now with these markets and the uh, clearly the 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 roller coaster effect that we're that we're seeing right now, transformity research definitely seems to be the place to be Thank right now. So, yeah, you. well, it's it's absolutely true. So, um, so I definitely mail. would recommend. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, listen, coming up next after the break, we got to talk about this deal with Apple and Goldman Sachs. You talk about cross-marketing, crisscross of sectors. I love it. I think this is the start of not just with these two companies, but the start of a lot more companies really following through. But what is it? We're going to tell you right after the break. So please stay with us. Buy, hold, sell live, brought to you by Transformity Research. 
Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so. Welcome back, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell, the special Inflation Nation special that, we, uh, that we've been talking about all day. And clearly inflation, we got their CPI reading, but now we also saw the markets just really rally uh, on, on the news. And, um, and there was a whole lot of reasons for rally. that. <laughs> bear, bear, bear market rally. rally. There you go. Well one, well, one other piece of news that came out today, Toby, that really, I think, shows you the, the uh, reaction of higher interest rates is what we've been hearing is that savings accounts and the, the interest that you earn in your savings account at your local bank will be going up. It, maybe it hasn't yet, but it, there is an expectation that it will. But what do, you, what do you think? All of a sudden, you have a big technology behemoth like Apple come out, and then they say, hey, let's talk to a Wall Street bank, and maybe we can collaborate and put something together. Well, that's what we got today. Apple announced that they are going to offer savings accounts right on an iPhone. All iPhone users will be able to actually hit their wallet app. They'll be able to see all their credit cards. Maybe they'll even have ticket stubs right there. But you'll also be able to see your savings account. And Goldman Sachs is going to be administering all of this for the Apple, which is a huge bonus for, for Goldman, obviously. And it's a high yield savings account. So Toby, is this the start of things that we can expect to see where companies say, you know what, we're in one lane, maybe we should jump off and go into another different lane and maybe work with some of these bigger companies and collaborate. What do you think? Well, so Apple has made a massive stride in the last 20 years, the last 10 years and the last five years to uh -huh. add services to their business model because essentially they earn about a 90% margin, not not bad work if you can get it right. Uh, they've had the you know the Apple Pay, which is just you know a rentals, a system they made up that just copied somebody else and you put whatever credit card you want in there and it does Apple Pay. Okay, big one. You get some right. transactions. Um, this is a natural extension for them. I mean, Goldman Sachs already has their Marcus system. All they're doing is cloning Marcus and putting an Apple brand on it. But the difference is, is Apple has 178 million consumers in yeah. North America, and uh, you know it's the same huge number around the world. It, so, it, so you know. It makes sense. Is it going to make the Apple stock change much? No. Is it going to make Goldman specs? No. I mean, because the margins are so slim because there's this concept in technology called the application programming interface, yeah. which basically means you take your website, you add this little string of code in, and now you have a credit card machine. Now you have you know, a, a money market account. It's, it's a string of code. That's what an application programming interface is. So anybody can do this, Todd. There's no barrier to entry. It's just a barrier to marketing. You know, Walmart- Well, Walmart here, here's, here's my thought on it, is that the, yeah. right now, even with interest rates going up, the average savings rate for a savings account for an American bank is only 16 basis points. Can you believe that? Now, you are right. Yeah. Goldman, Goldman Sachs has the Marcus um, savings account, which 
offers 2.15% right now. It's likely going to go higher, especially after the Fed has their meeting on November 1st and 2nd. But when when I see when with Apple, even all you have to do is see those three little dots in the upper right hand corner (laughs) and you instantly open up an account. You don't have to go into the bank. You don't need to sign any paperwork. It's already there for you as electronic as it gets. And I think this really opens up the door where now Goldman's going to say, oh, my goodness, now we have 100, like you said, 170. 70 plus million Americans on this thing. Not all of them are going to do this, but you're going to get a big bulk of them. This opens up the door for all these other consumers that are out there. And Goldman is trying to get away from, or they're trying to introduce more of that consumer banking style. You can only imagine what this is going to lead to. More CDs. I mean, all kinds of things to Goldman. I think this is a huge win for Goldman Sachs. And the stock was obviously up big today as as everything was up big today. But I think that when we look back at this, time, we're going to be Uh saying, oh my goodness, Goldman's going to be able to open up multiple accounts per Apple user going down the lane. And eventually you're going to have on your iPhone, the ability to not just look up your savings account and the accrued interest, but your certificate of deposit, possible loans, everything's going to be just like you have on a regular banking app, but it's all just going to be right there in the wallet. I think it's a huge win. Uh, All right. Well, I will take the other side of that. Um, First off, there's no question that Apple is a fantastic consumer marketer and Goldman is an absolutely horrible consumer marketer because they really don't consider someone with less than $5 million a person, okay? Right. That's not, that's not their MO. Secondarily, I don't want to break your bubble here, but if I were to show you my phone with a uh, Chase uh, banking app for the business and the Bank of America, it does all that stuff with push button. Oh, by the way, if I wanted to open up a new account uh, with you know with for a CD and any of that stuff, there's this thing called Capital One Bank and a bunch yeah. of other ones. That, that, that's their business, number three. Two. Then number three, who in their right mind puts all their money into a savings account for crying out loud? You're never going to be able to retire with that. <laughs> so, you know, there's Charles Schwab Savings Bank. There's TD Ameritrade Savings Bank. All of the large brokerage firms, Merrill Lynch Savings Bank. At the margin, I am sure that the Apple, you know, real fanboys and fangirls, if they want to, you know, set up a checking account. But you don't have to do any, you don't have to go anywhere to do nothing, uh, Todd, to open up a yeah. checking account. Go, go right. on online and just look at, I want to open up. A bank account. There's no yeah. more of this anything. You take a yeah. picture of your driver's license, it checks it out, and now you have a checking account. I mean, yeah. or your passport. Well, but here's I, my thought. Know. Here's here here's my thought it's on incremental, this. Okay? It's incremental revenue. Okay, let, let's throw that let's throw this out there then. Because if I am a CEO of a company and I'm thinking, okay, I have iPhones out there, and you, you know, people are gonna 170 plus millions of iPhone users and are now gonna be introduced to this savings account at this bank. If I'm Jamie diamond. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, how do I get in on this game? Well, what do you need with an iPhone? Well, you got to have a service provider. So you go to a Verizon. I don't know how many Verizon users have iPhones, but I would go to them and say, hey guys, how about we collaborate and come up with something? If you own, if you have this Verizon account, why can't you introduce savings accounts to JP Morgan Chase? I mean, there's just an idea and you could still access it on the iPhone. I mean, there's just an idea. I could, I could just see companies like this doing a lot more. I know Wall Walmart once talked about getting into the banking business, which I do think is a good idea. But but when you start seeing companies thinking, okay, how do we actually share in these consumers right now and really take a, um, I, I just really think if you're not one of the big companies out there and you're one of these smaller regional banks, you're probably going to be in trouble because you don't have that type of positioning power. 
out there to actually do this type of combination. But it could be the start of big things down the line. Todd, Todd, Todd. I, I don't know. When you go home tonight in the cave <laughs> and you light the fire with, with the kindling, uh, every every national bank has their yeah. own. It's, it's already there. It's it's every bank has it. They just put, it's called a private label, you bonehead. There's, no, there's nothing there. The fact that, that there's affiliate marketing fees, everyone has an affiliate marketing fee. Okay. You, it's, it's all computer you get a little little bit of code you know it's that internet thing you should check it out and in the i thought that was a fad <laughs> yeah it was a fad. <laughs> all of what you just described has existed robustly for the last 10 years and then walmart you know they had green card the green tree card for years and the, again you you got your walmart uh, labeled green tree card and you got a two percent well now everybody has it amazon i was buying some furniture from amazon and they gave me a, a credit card i don't know what it it is an Amazon card for nothing. It happens to be out of Synchrony Bank. And uh, if I use it uh, and pay the uh, balance off, which I do, then I get like a 5% rebate on everything I buy at Amazon with the Synchrony card. Now, who pays that rebate? Amazon right. and Symphony because Symphony gets the balance and, and Amazon gets the sale. Okay. So this, oh, this is this has been this has been a this has been going on, is what you're trying this to tell me. It's been going on for ever since, you know, people had iPhones and this is incremental at best, Dotto. I, I don't I don't see much. You know what? I just thought of something. I'm gonna have to go out to my car and have to wind it up to get it started. So I'll, <laughs> I'll be back. So I'll do that during our during our break here. All right, good. So so listen, so coming up after I do that with the car, we're gonna be talking I've been looking forward to this one segment. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we're going to be talking about this Digital World Acquisition Corporation, which <laughs> which is all about Donald Trump's true social. But we want to get into that in a little bit. So please stay with us. Buy, hold, sell live, brought to you by Transformity Research. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to Buy a Hold Sell. So, Toby, there was big news today out of a company named Digital World Acquisition Corp. Uh, Wall, Street, Wall Street traders call it DWAC. And this company actually is set up to have a merger with uh, Trump Media. And they the new the stock has actually been down. It was actually down quite a bit this year, but up over 14% today. And the reason why is because Google Play will now be able to accept the True Social app. Now, for our listeners, out there who don't know this, Donald Trump created, President Donald Trump created this social media site because he was banned on Twitter. And you could go to this, it's called True Social. And you could go in, you could say whatever you want, yada, 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 you get the point. Obviously, the, the former president is on there. Uh, but right now, this is a huge news story because 44% of all smartphone users have an Android device. And now this was currently banned on the Google store. Now it's going to be available, which is a big, big bonus, obviously 
obviously for this company, especially with this merger, it's about to go through. So, Toby, I know how you feel about the former president. But you I don't care that. about the former president. Okay, the but would you would, model the business model ridiculous? First like, off, okay, tell me about first it. Off, we have been we have been short this stock via options since ninety six dollars. We closed that okay. one out today because of this announcement. So I love the fact that this is the biggest turd business I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Secondarily, if you've ever been on it, and I have, there is nothing there. There's no there there. Yeah, it's it's it has the. I get more traffic on my front porch than they get. The only people they're getting there are the complete mega nut jobs. But even there, that's a public domain. And the real mega nut jobs have their own encrypted stuff. They don't talk about all that crazy stuff. Yeah. It's a horrible. And then let's still talk about the valuation. When we shorted it, this company with zero revenues was being valued at $72 billion. That's incredible. It's like pets.com. I, you know, yes, I got pets.com, except there's nobody on it and there's nothing interesting on it. Donald Trump does post his, you know, daily rants, uh, et cetera, but you don't need to be on there. Those daily rants will get put into the, into the press, both the left, the right, and the middle, right? So, yeah. And, and they did a, a secondary offering where the hedge funds said they would come in and buy $2 billion of additional stock in a private placement. And all of those hedge funds have now started actually looked at what they were doing. And I'm sure they were doing it. I'm sure that Ken Griffin at Citadel, who's only donated $12 billion to the GOP this year, I'm sure he's in there for $2 billion. But yeah. other than maybe Ken, every other conservative hedge fund guy has opted out of that deal. They're not going to get any more money. Out they of curiosity. Have- yeah. Out of, out of curiosity, do you have a true social account? I did open. I did start a uh, true social account. I do. Just out of curiosity. I, yeah, but I the do. one thing. It's the not one underneath thing I no- my name, okay, but I have. <laughs> well, the one thing I noticed about it is that I don't know about you, but my iPhone, I'll receive notifications of Twitter stuff. You know, somebody saying whatever, and, and it just keeps popping up on my phone. Yeah. True social, I might get one a day. I mean, it's very odd. I don't nobody's check on it, it Todd. Nobody's yeah, that's probably right. I, I don't way, check it. I, I have no, I, it's it, not something I, I will consciously go to unless yeah. I'm, now that we're having this conversation, I might check it out um, again this evening. But, but realistically, it's not something that is top of mind that I'm looking for. And I think you're right about that. With no users, and even the users that are on there have limited energy to to actually look at this thing. Um, it's probably is a big uh, big loser, well, actually. Todd, uh, obviously, uh, in the short the term. Resident, as the resident technology luddite, you do understand that you can turn all <laughs> those things off on Twitter and on Facebook and anything else. You don't have. To oh, I don't mind it. The notifications, but, but I, I do like to get that, get updates. And, and does, you obviously yeah. being in the, you know, we're, we're in the media, you know, you want to be informed of what's going on in the world. But with true social, yeah, if I get that one notification a day, it's usually nothing that's going to be compelling enough to want where I'm going to want to actually go onto that app and actually oh, read what well, it's let me, going let to me, be. Let me end it with this. If Tell any me. listener is considering buying the stock, here's what's going to happen. They've been trying to get a vote. You have to get retail voters to vote to, to close this deal. And they, they haven't ever done it. They've tried three times. They've postponed the vote three times. So wow. here's what's going to happen. When it drops below $10, and let's say it goes to $9.50, there's still $10 million or $10 a share in cash and thing. So you can buy it at $9.50. And when the whole thing blows up and they have to give back the, you know, the 10 bucks a share, you're going to make 50 cents and you're going to you know, tell your kids that you, uh, that you uh, helped uh, put Donald Trump out of yet another business. That's, this one can't go to bankruptcy because they don't
don't even have the money. It's still an escrow. He can't screw it up. But yeah, and they can't if he runs for president, God forbid, then he can't put any advertising on the thing. So um, really, I didn't it, realize that. It's a stupid idea wrapped around an idiotic idea uh, huh. at, at a ridiculous valuation that only yeah. really should be what its cash is because they have on a relative basis, Facebook, Twitter does more revenue in a day than they would do in a year. Yeah, yeah. So, That's just good advice. That, Very good advice. God, I think it's a great yeah. idea. <laughs> you love, yeah. Yeah, you love everything about it. You just want to change it all. So <laughs> makes a lot of sense. All right. Well, that was some great advice I knew for the listeners. So listen, coming up after the break, we're going to make some money, ladies and gentlemen. It's our buy wholesale prediction. Please stay with us. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Knight. Through a roller coaster journey, of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity as one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American built, owned, and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the 650,000 men and women of American Maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnership's YouTube channel. Welcome back. Let's make some money. Toby, what's your buy wholesale of the week? All right. So my buy, I talked a little bit about this a few months ago, but today with the inflation reading, you can buy a U.S. inflation bond with a one-year rate of 10.1%. It's ridiculous. Um, it was 9.6 the last time I recommended, but now it's 10.1. You go online, you just look up I-bonds, you buy them directly from the government. You can't buy them from your broker. But to buy, you know, to, to tie up, and you know, you could, if it's you and your wife, you 
kids you can buy 10,000. If you have kids, you can buy, as long as they have a social security number, you can buy for your kids, et cetera. You're locking in 10% yield. Um, it's never been that high because they didn't offer these things back in the 70s and 80s. So it's a smart way, you know, to, to lock in the yield. Maybe it'll get a little higher. But not much. All right, I'll go with that. On the hold, we talked about, you know, the whole uh, Rexit, R-E-X-I-T, my acronym for yep. companies and sectors and industries that benefit from uh, the West pulling away from uh, from Russia. But really now it's Russia and China, by the way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it Rexit squared, I think. But you want to hold them. I mean, oil prices have been flopping around. Natural gas prices going into winter here. But on a very low-end day for energy, the entire energy complex, including the shippers I've talked about, the LNG players I've talked about, um, two too early to sell, guys. We have higher energy prices coming for a variety of reasons, starting, you know, simply with the fact that as soon as China, you know, gets done locking down 50 million people a, a week in their homes, their utilization of jet fuel and gasoline, so on and so forth, is going to ramp up. At the margin, we have about a 2 million to 3 million barrel deficit per day of what the demand. The biggest argument against energy is that with the global recession that I and, you know, many other people who actually <coughs> actually read something, uh, you know, understand it's going to happen. And yes, at the margin, it's going to reduce supply. But OPEC has told us, uh, excuse me, demand, but OPEC has said that they're going to keep the supply lower than the demand. So uh, stay with them and collect those dividends. That's good. Uh, yeah. And then on the, on the sell side, you know, I've talked about why you should sell semiconductors for, I don't know, the last three months. So if you didn't get that, shame on you. But the sort of the next uh, leg to fall here uh, is uh, software guys. And if you're holding on to, I mean, anyone's, even Microsoft, Etc. We're starting to already get information from our network of subject matter experts that software sales are now, that's sort of the last one. Cloud sales are okay, but the expensive software companies, if you own one of them, you know, any, anybody from, uh, anyway, from DocuSign to Zoom, any of the guys that are the pandemic beneficiaries, uh, they're tapped out and uh, work from home is getting less and work from anywhere is getting less. You really want to get fired today, Todd, be a work from home person in a company that has a big office. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, so so if you have sitting on products and software, great. I would certainly sell them. You know, we told you to sell them a long time ago, and you would have made a lot more money because they're all down 40%, 50% when we talked about it, I think, in April or May, just because they so ridiculously valued. Valuation matters. That, I'm, do, I'm doing that right now. I'm making a t-shirt. I'm gonna I like that. It, I'm going to make it green. Hashtag valuation matters. I love yes. that. Yes. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. All right, but listen, my buy of, this, of the week has got to be on the heels of Delta Airlines coming out and talking about business traveling is back. They are saying that over the next weeks, what they've seen is not only volumes of travelers, business travelers increasing, but they expect the numbers that are actually increase. I mean, they're, they're throwing out huge double digit increases over the next rolling 12 month period. Uh, therefore, that says to me that when people are traveling, well, that's great for the airlines, but they have to stay somewhere. Right now, Marriott and Hyatt, I'm going to give you two of them this week, because both of these companies right now are showing huge, huge numbers as far as um, uh, people renting these rooms. Um, what they do in the hotel business is they start looking at the average room rate, and they do that because they realize, okay, they have uh, um, how many people are actually renting the rooms, but then they're showing that their numbers or vacancy numbers are actually dropping. So when you start seeing that, that's not just the casual traveler or the leisure uh, traveler. This is somebody who is the business traveler and therefore they're going to be 
really optimizing those uh, those revenues yeah, coming and, out of that group. Let's not forget that Marriott and Hilton don't own any real estate. What they do is they yeah. manage it for other people. So they that's so they're right. an asset light company. So that's that's a good thing. I'm with you there. I think that over the next two years will make money. Well, Marriott Hyatt, both of their stocks are down just a little over 13% year to date. I think you will make some money off of that. My yeah. hold right now has got to be what I've been saying, and you've been saying as well, Toby, it's got to be cash right now. Um, when we start looking at these cash numbers and we start seeing uh, the, the the idea that you can take advantage of some higher savings rates that are out there. We just talked about it in the last block. Definitely yeah. the thing to do right now. Cash is king. It's going to remain that way until things stabilize on Wall Street. I would highly recommend just sticking with that cash. And, My, and I would just I would just add that tell me. we have these bear market rallies. They're very sharp. And if you're if you're over uh, in too much in equities, use these sharp days to raise cash. You don't raise yeah. cash in the stock market's down in a bear market. You raise cash on these two, three day, woohoo, everything's great. Uh, yeah. Bear market rallies. We'll have, we, you know, in the average bear market, we have, I believe, 14 bear market rallies where you get sharp because they're short covering. People who are betting against the market have to buy back shares at any price so that they don't give away the profits they had by being right to short the stuff. And they're very sharp. They last one to two days. Sometimes as, you know, as long as that June till mid-June till uh, mid-early um, uh, August. Uh, yeah. Market rally. But that's when you raise cash. You don't raise cash and, oh my God, it's down another 500 points. Okay, I'm selling it. Be smart. Yeah. And that's great advice. And just another reason why you should be subscribing to Transformity Research Newsletter because they're going to give you that type of advice. I definitely agree with that. And that's that might seem like common sense to some people, but that has to be has to be brought up again so people do understand. Emotions it. emotions drive investing, Todd, not not rationality. Emotion. Yeah, right. that's right. That, no doubt about that. All right, my sell of the week actually is going to be uh, M and T Bank, based out of Buffalo, New York. I got to say, even though it's a finance company, you would think it should do better in a um, in an inflationary environment. One thing that I will say with M&T Bank is that their expenses are just to the moon right now. They have they have devoted so much of their so much of their uh, their time and energy and their own money in their uh, in their in, in their development for technology that they're trying to create these tech hubs around um, around in their their uh, market centers. But right now, their expenses are just to the moon, and I think that is going to be a surprise when they release their earnings next week and their numbers are going to be uh, be taking a bit of a hit. The other side of it that you really start seeing is really from advertising. They just haven't been out there advertising even with their, um, here they, they're headquartered in Buffalo. They got M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore where the Ravens play. They're yeah. not heard of. You, you never hear any of their ads like you normally would because they just don't have the ad budget right now. And, um, and I think because they've devoted so much of that money and their and their resources going back in for this technology because they want to be a, more of a technology company. Just not there. Would be a sell of the week, though. But uh, but that's it for us here, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up next week, we are going to be talking all about earnings. Uh, earnings season kicks off tomorrow. We have a slew of earnings next week. We have 25% of the S&P 500 reporting. So we'll have a lot to talk about, Toby. So any last words, Toby, for the audience today? Well, I'll tell you, you know, next week, I think, I hope that I'm going to have a, a really cool stock that we've been working on for a while we're about ready to recommend so i'll tease that and uh the other one is a very high dividend uh stock we're talking about almost 25 percent annual dividends that again wow. we've, we've been sitting on for a while and it's really um looking so you know if you can handle 25 percent pays monthly you know stay tuned, tuned back love in. it love it well go go to transformityresearch.com 
and check out what Toby has to say. Go to Google Stock Traders Almanac. You want to talk about uh, what Jeffrey Hurst has to say. I'm telling you, these are two of the, the biggest uh, subject matter experts that are on Wall Street right now. So you definitely want to be out there hearing and reading what they have to say about the markets and where, where, we, uh, where we're forecasting for for the rest of the quarter. So on behalf of Tobin Smith and Jeffrey Hirsch, I am Todd Schoenberger. We want to thank you for joining us and listening to us on the Evergreen Podcast Network. We hope to, uh, hope to join us next week uh, for another Buy, Hold, Sell. Have a great weekend. Woohoo! Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.